You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to the Conservative Conscience on this sizzling Wednesday here at our Northern Command Center in Central Maryland, your one-stop shop for independent conservative news and views on what really matters to this country, the things that should be the biggest news stories of the day we talk about here where you will often not hear about them at all. And it is hot, which means I'm going to be working overtime because I have no interest in going outside in this type of weather. But, by the way, despite the heat, do you know we're not going to set any records here in Baltimore? All those records were set in 1930, long before the global warming agenda and the evil, evil stuff that they allege is creating it. So, anyway... I guess that's why they just call it climate change instead of global warming. Um, so much going on. I try to write some notes to make sure I don't forget anything, but follow me on Twitter at Arm Conservative for just late-breaking stuff. <sighs> you know, we, we've been talking about how there's no counter-narrative, how the left is able to take the most egregious things and make it the news of the day because Republicans in Congress, in the executive branch, in the media – have no desire or ability to take the most explosive things that prove the veracity of our points and disprove the other side and actually make them an issue and actually make it a story. I always said every day, imagine if the president would tweet out the stories we talk about on a daily basis. It would change the landscape. The media, because they can't control themselves, they have to follow everything he says. They have to fact check it, which plays into our hands. And then the narrative... The narrative is all about what we want it to be. You know, just now as I'm recording midday here, I got a break a little bit today to do Steve Dace, and I'm going to come back. Um, 19 of 22 defendants charged in the indictment of a massive MS-13 clique that committed medieval-style violent crimes came to the country illegally in just the last four years. Four years, you know what that is, from Honduras and El Salvador. Laura Wilkerson just retweeted me. This should be the biggest news of the day. Laura Wilkerson, if you remember, she had a son who was brutally like dismembered by, by an illegal dreamer who was a classmate of his in school. This story should be the biggest news story of the day. And, and actually, it, you know, it's not even like it's late-breaking. It didn't get a chance to percolate. A DOJ announced the, put out the press release yesterday. I forget what time, um, what time of the day, but it was yesterday. It might have been right after we recorded, or I might have seen it but didn't have time to delve through it. There's a 78-page indictment. But this story, if Republicans would seize on it, would have the ability to single-handedly prove every point we've been making. When you talk about public charge and crime, bringing in and, – and here's the thing about this story. It's not just a matter of bringing in crime. We're certainly doing a lot of that. It's you're bringing in entire cells 
of transnational cartels and gangs that are every bit as terroristic in their operations, in their gruesomeness, in their desire to influence and, and terrorize and control an area. And that includes our own territory. You are bringing in entire pipelines, entire categories of criminality, entire levels of gruesomeness that we knew not in this country, at least not on such a large scale. This culture of dismemberment that's in Central America, just like the culture of sexual assaults to seven-year-olds, the culture of, of drunk driving, which is not viewed as a big deal there, that's what you are bringing in. The American people understand this. Let me preface this story by reading you an email, and thank you so much, um, Charlie, for sending this to me. So, this listener wanted to say that I'm wrong. I said this week that even swing voters are to the right of the Trump administration or you know conservative politicos inside DC on immigration. And this guy emails me and he says, I think you're selling yourself short. My wife and I have been solid California Democrats our entire adult lives. But we are beside ourselves when we see that what's happening with illegal immigration, the reckless way Democrat politicians are wielding the issue. I'm telling you now, if Trump were to actually enact your recommendations on the border, we would seriously consider voting for him in 2020, despite his inability to act like an adult in any situation, despite even my passion for tackling climate change. Well, Charlie, I'm going to have to convince you on that one of these days. I'm not alone in these feelings, and we have conversations with fellow liberals all the time who are utterly turned off by the left's immigration stance. But the question is, where do we go if, if not even Trump will uphold the law? For, first of all, I just want to thank you. Um, I know I do have a lot of, um, I'd say, non-traditional conservatives, even somewhat left-leaning on some issues that listen, listen to this show, because you appreciate independent conservative thought that's not tethered to a personality, that's not tethered to a trend or a fad or making waves, and is just trying to figure out what's good public policy from the standpoint of my constitutional ideology. Um, we might disagree sometimes, but I know you appreciate that at least we try to be intellectually honest here. And I, and this email just got to me because I know there's so many more people like you, Charlie. I know that. And none, I mean, this is not a right or left issue. Everyone understands this issue intuitively. This is so, I mean, it, it, it's a no brainer. Everyone gets it. Everyone gets that America is for Americans, that our security at our border, first and foremost, is to ensure that nobody is let into this country unless we know you are a good person and you're not a public charge. It's that simple. The notion that we would let in hundreds of thousands of violent Central Americans, young males, fueling and flooding and growing the ranks of transnational gangs here that themselves were only originally here because of um because of illegal immigration it is unbelievable when the crafters of of the INA in 1952 and this was really in our immigration laws in some form since 1891 crafted 1182F of 8 USC 212F of the INA that whenever it's detrimental, if the president feels that immigration is detrimental, he could shut it all off. Legal immigration. They, when they used the word detrimental, they never in their right mind believed we'd get to a fraction of this level of detriment on all sides. 
and yet we refuse to use it. Refuse to use it. It's quite unbelievable. I can't believe it. I just cannot, cannot believe it. But anyway, just, just as a tangent here, sorry to go off on this tangent, um, you know, a, a lot of people want to say, oh, MS-13 is an American creation. Here's the sleight of hand. In the 78-page indictment here of this MS-13 case, um, the FBI, the U.S. attorneys wrote, Mara Salvatura, Salvatrucha, whatever, the MS-13, was formed in L.A. in the mid-1980s and has been active here since. MS has a transnational gang with members of at least 10 states, yada, yada. And they go on to say that what we deported them and then um, now they're coming from El Salvador. While MS-13 originated in L.A., over the years, MS-13's ranks increased dramatically as its members were deported. Well, gee, what do you mean as its members were deported? How do you deport them? Oh, they're illegal aliens. So that's the sleight of hand. Some people say, oh, it was created in L.A. It was created originally by the first wave of illegals who shouldn't have been here. But anyway, now they're joining their ranks. I reached out to a very high-ranking DHS official today. And I said, do you know 19 of these guys were illegal? And he was like, what are you talking about, Daniel? 19 of what? And then it turned out he didn't even know about this entire sting, the culmination of this task force, um, indicting 22 MS-13 members for the most gruesome medieval-style killings you can imagine. He didn't even know about it. I don't blame him when you're at that level. It's just like you don't read the news. But that's the problem. No one even knows to give to the president to tweet this stuff out. And he said, yeah, send this to me so we can get the president to tweet it out. It would single-handedly change the dynamic in America. Yet we have nobody, nobody trying to push this. Nobody in Congress. Like I said, as the Democrats focus on... Trump's tweets in the House, nobody in the Republican Senate is focusing on the attack on ICE in Tacoma. Nobody is focusing on all these dangerous protests, putting ICE's lives in danger when they're taking directly from statements Democrats made that are inciting violence, right? Even if you believe the president would be a racist, there's no violence from, I mean, nothing has come from that. These things directly, the guy in his manifesto quoted the concentration camp business and everything from AOC. Nothing. Republicans are without a narrative. They won't talk about the DUIs, the drug trafficking, the gangs, the MS-13. But let's delve through this story because it's so important. So anyway, this was the culmination of a sting of this particular faction of MS-13. The Fulton Click, it's called. F-U-L-T-O-N in the San Fernando Valley, yeah, in in, um, in that part of California, and has recently seen an influx of young immigrants from Central America. They macheted and hacked people and cut out their hearts in Angeles National Forest for them. They killed another person somewhere else. Some, A lot of these were rival gang members, 
other illegal immigrants themselves, they said. Um, and but, but importantly, one was just a homeless person. I don't think he was an illegal who happened to be in a park that was considered, yes, controlled by the gang, their territory. So for all those who think, oh, this is only, uh, you know, yeah, they kill each other. You don't want to bring that into your country because it's not going to only, I mean, even if it is only their people, you don't want that in your country. But believe me, it spills over. And then again, these same type of people will commit these gruesome acts to Americans. Just ask Laura Laura Wilkerson about her son. But most of them were arrested last year. These were murders that happened over two years. The final four were arrested over the last couple of days, one guy in Oklahoma, and they rounded them up, and now they have an indictment. 78-page indictment. I only skimmed it. DOJ put out a press release. And there's a number of important things here. So 19 of them were um, – Illegal aliens who, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office, came over the last four years from Honduras and El Salvador. These are quintessentially, when we talk about the children, these are who they are. Two of them are still minors. Most of them are very young, probably were minors or close to the age of 18 when they came here. Okay? Close to the age of 18 when they came here. These are the people that our country is, not our country, but our political class are servicing and crying for. It's these very people. Look, they're not all going to go on to do this, but there's a heck of a lot of them. Who do you think you're bringing in when you're bringing young males from the most violent countries? Our government was created, in the words of Madison, to protect us from external danger. That's why we have a federal government. This is quintessentially their job. Oh, maybe someone has an asylum claim, so I'm going to let everyone in. No, you don't let in a single person until you could confirm that each one is a good person. Everyone in the United States understands that principle, except for these assholes at National Review and wherever, wherever else in phony conservative media, much less the left in the political circles. So anyway, that was the story here. That was the story here. Um... And I just want to say that Mark Morgan, he is currently the CBP commissioner. He was the ICE director. And if you remember, he gave me these comments first on March 29th. They were exclusively given to me. He later used them in testimony, used them in other media appearances, and the media went just absolutely batty. And he said, as chief of Border Patrol, I would tour the detention facilities filled to capacity with unaccompanied minors 17 years of age or younger – who had illegally entered the country alone and without any parents or guardians. As I looked at these groups, I saw both hardened young men as well as vulnerable and lost youth. With every encounter, I walked away, wondering how many would be lured into joining a gang. The odds were not in their favor as they were released into a city somewhere in the U.S., never to be heard from again. He was vin- the media went nuts. They called him a racist, and he was vindicated in this very, very case. 19 of them are illegal. Now, they won't sit and tell me how many were resettled as USCs. ICE will give me nothing. Their press shop, and there's a couple of good individuals, but their press shop sucks. You have the highest profile thing that proves everything going on at the border, and they will not give us anything. Trump doesn't know about this. Nobody knows about this. It's, it's on drudge, but n- nobody knows about it. No Republican conservative will talk about it. 
Now, of the remaining three, one is an LPR and two are citizens. I'll bet you anything. They're not, they weren't here since the Mayflower, okay? They were likely a similar situation, except they got resettled as UACs and actually got a green card and finagled themselves into status and eventually became citizens. It's the same thing. It's an external thing we're bringing in. So there's a couple of things here. A couple of things. I want to quote to you, give you two quotes from the LA Times. So the main, the lead U.S. attorney here, um, Nick Hanna, Central District of California. We're seeing an influx of younger gang members coming into the area, associating themselves with the Fulton clique, who are extremely violent, who have, who, who have to commit murders to join the clique. Claude Arnold, who once ran the L.A. field office of ICE and spent the bulk of his career investigating transnational gangs and similar surges in bloodshed have taken place in other MS-13 havens, including Long Island, New York, and Washington, D.C. He said, these are newer, newer entrants, so they're making their bones with the gang. It's just how it is. They want to make a name for themselves, and those are the people who are generally the most violent members of the street gangs. So basically, if you read the indictment, what you're going to see is that these were a part of initiations or raising your rank in the gang. You have to up the ante and outdo each other in gruesomeness and, and what you're doing. And increasingly, they're younger people, and it's being fueled by the newer people. Think about This is not just, oh, okay, there's 100 people in a group that surrender at the border. Let's bring this all back to the border. This is what nobody does. We see it in the communities. Oh, there were some gangs, gang attacks. No, it's coming from the border. It's not just, okay, you're a sex offender. You have this conviction in Honduras. You might have had this conviction in America and was previously deported. It's worse than that. You're bringing in youngsters in mass that are going to come here as newer illegals of the older illegals already here that should be deported and are harbored by L.A. and the sanctuaries and remain here. And you specifically are prone to, if you to join the gang, it's not just, oh, they're going to become gang members. In order to become a gang member, you have to up the ante in your violence. That is the degree of national security problems we're bringing in. And these people are directly working for the drug cartels. So it's, it ties into the drugs as well because that's how they get the revenue. This was a racketeering case at heart where they have all the revenue from there. That's how they got them. And... Um, and that's, that's what we're bringing in. How hard is it for the President of the United States to give a speech detailing all of the deleterious effects? 30 to 40% of those arrested in Operation Matador, MS-13 sting, two years ago, were resettled as UACs. And say, this is unacceptable. We are shutting this down now. And every day, Trump tweets out another story. I... I could supply them to him. And of course, ICE won't, you know, the, and this is just their career jerks in the press shop, won't work with me. They won't work with me. Oh, no, privacy, we can't tell you anything. Oh, I don't know. Meaning, no, I mean, you could literally have five illegals come in today and rape Americans tomorrow, and ICE will not put out a press release on their. On what happened. They won't initiate anything. You have to ask for it. And even if you ask for it, they're limited in what they're going to give you. 
I can't help this administration more than it helps itself. Why is nobody in Congress or in the executive branch speaking about this? And I call this guy up. He didn't even know about it. He didn't know about it. No one bothered to tell him. This stuff happens every single day. It's unimaginable we let into this country. The U.S. attorney spoke of medieval-style brutal brutality. They would cut out the heart, dismember the bodies, throw them in canyons, machetes left and right. It's not just, oh, we're bringing in more criminals. It's a certain style. What you see in Mexico and Central America, we're bringing it in. The very thing for which we created a federal government over a state government to protect us from. They are now serving as the end users of the criminal conspiracy to help bring them in and catch and release. And 100% of our political class is focused on, we're not doing enough for these people? Are you effing kidding me? The American people want this shut down now. And by golly, we're going to get this shut down one way or another. It, th- these people are mentally ill. You could be the most open borders, like pro-immigration person around, but everyone agrees you can't bring in hundreds of thousands of unvetted 15, 17, 18-year-olds from, from Central America fueling MS. You can't do Everyone understands that. And you know what I would like to find out, and they're not going to give me, is if these people were doing gruesome murders, there's no way some of these 19 weren't cycled in and out of L.A. jails or local county, San Fernando, whatever, um, jails. There's no way. There's no way there weren't previous ICE detainers. Either ICE themselves missed it or they lodged a detainer and they were ignored. This stuff happens every day. And how much longer until we're like Tamalipas? We're like Tijuana. We're like Juarez. Where you have territorial controls. And I know we've always had our own gangs. But this is bringing an entire new dimension that we don't need. What about the forgotten Americans? This is an unimaginable violation of the essence of why we have a government. All Trump needs to do is Trump and some of his top advisors every day do full court press on this stuff. Every single day. Folks, okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to, and I know it's rude, but I'm going to do it anyway. I, you know, I told you, I mean, I can only do this and give you this information if I'm, you know, sometimes simultaneously working. That will all stop, by the way, when we go to video because I won't have the ability to do that. Um... I just emailed the U.S. Attorney's Office, and they were, you know, they 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 were responding. Um, that's how I got the information on the other three people. You know, were they LPRs or whatever? And I asked him, were they UACs? He, this guy, this is a in the U.S. Attorney's Office dealing with L.A. Okay, this is not like Wyoming or Alaska. And he says, Daniel, what is a UAC? Now, look, I understand many people in the public don't know that. I mean, that that makes sense. But, dude, I mean. U.S. Attorney's Office in California? Jeez. 
Literally, just you, you might have heard that beep, you know, my email. That's what it was. I, I don't have enough minutes in the day to even get out everything I want to get out. Write about it, talk about it, talk with the right people, get it to them. That's what I do. You know, I assume I'll just put it out and everyone will know, but no. Key people in government, I'll have to call them and say, do you know this is going on? Could you message this? Could you get this to the president? We, we are so screwed. It is just unbelievable. But that is what we are bringing. You cannot imagine the danger we have brought into this country in terms of drugs, gangs, and criminals. And, and just a totality of a medieval, that was the word of, uh, used by the prosecutor here, a medieval culture of demonic brutality that has been just, you know, obviously it was in the country uh, to a certain level because of prior waves of illegal immigration, but reinforced beyond belief. How many of these children that we've resettled as UACs and as family units, and on their behalf, for which we have our entire political class, using our entire government, our resources, all on their behalf, because they're God's gift to the world. How many of them are threats to this country? Nobody could answer that. But you know what? We don't have to answer that, because nobody has a right to come in. That's the beauty. I can't tell you with Americans, you know, it's tough. How many are going to affect us we got to deal with them we never have to let anyone in if we cannot conclusively determine whether they're, they're going to be a good person and indeed we shouldn't there's a lot of good people in the world a lot of people want to immigrate there's no reason for this our laws do not dictate this and if there was some even convoluted argument you could give that in the base statutes there's something that will cause this the president always has 1182F and worse than that we're going to talk about in a minute they now, they're now suing his new asylum policy in the northern district of California folks the northern district of California okay is the very court that said the president has his own inherent Article II authority to deny entry to anyone. En su entro del canto popular v. Christopher, District, Northern District of California, 1996 case. The exclusion of aliens is a fundamental act of sovereignty. The right to do so stems not alone from legislative power, but is inherent in the executive power to control the foreign affairs of the nation. What is so hard for DOJ and Attorney General Barr to deliver a press conference or or, uh, initiate a press conference and deliver this statement? What is so hard? But before we talk about the courts and what's going on with that, I just want to continue this thought on what we're bringing into this country, what the danger that we're putting our border agents and ICE agents in, and the lack of response from all these vermin 
that are virtue signaling Rubio and Romney and all the racism. They have nothing to say about this stuff. So I put out today an article on border agents being assaulted. And there's no deterrent. There's few prosecutions. And if they get prosecuted, they get time served. How if they're on the other side of Mexico, if they're throwing rocks, we won't shoot at them and they know it. So the foundation was last Thursday's show, so it's not news to you guys with Sergio um, <coughs> Tinoco. But I just wanted to reiterate a couple of points. Where they literally throw rocks at border agents or military, they're both in the same boat because they both are hamstrung, to get them out of the way so they could come in. That's literally an invasion. Get them out of the way so they could come in. So they scare them off. We're going to crush your heads with rocks, and I know you won't do anything and you can't do anything to come in. Right away, that point alone should be endless hearings in the Senate calling administration officials and say, if we can't use either Border Patrol or military to stop that, and if that is somehow in your convoluted brain, posse comitatus, then we don't have a country. Then you know what? Why are we spending $800 billion in the military? That's number one. But what's interesting is I quote from an unnamed agent that I can't give his name. I speak to him frequently. He's in one of the hot spots of the Rio Grande Valley. And two weeks ago, just to give you a glimpse of how – to walking in the shoes of the life of the, in a day of, a, of the border agents, what it means to be a border agent. What is not getting out, what Republicans aren't giving over, what they're not holding hearings on, what even DHS officials are, are refusing to do. You know, I reached out to them and said I was writing an article on the increase in, of assaults, and I was looking for some specific information, and they treated me like I'm just some outsider. This is what you have in their press shop. You, you, they're stupid. I mean, it's a fastball up the middle of the plate. You would do everything you can to work with me and get the story out. Border agents being assaulted? I mean, even under a Democrat administration, you should want to work with me. But that's a different point. So anyway, imagine, again, remember, cutting hearts out, dismembering bodies, increasing inner communities from recent arrivals, growing influx. These are all words used by the uh, federal and local officials involved in this MS-13 case. You're at the border... And you're dealing with these people. There's a heck of a lot of those people. But as we noted with Sergio, even those that aren't quite like that, you're one agent. Most law enforcement, you at least have a partner. Here, you're often alone in a remote area. No backup until, you know, sometimes it can take a long time. And you're approached by dozens of people. The likelihood of having criminal gang, you know, this whole cartel culture is very likely. And in fact, often you're dealing with the cartel smugglers because that's what they're catching at the river. And then the smuggler is trying to get away. So to begin with, Sergio talked about how desperate they, you know, they all are. But particularly the smugglers themselves, they need to get away. And they're going to do everything they can. And often they'll have a guy specifically fight with the border agent so the others could get away. And they know if they win the fight, then they get away. 
If they don't, they're not going to be prosecuted or they'll get time served and everyone will get away. That is what we are up against there. So this agent two weeks ago, there was um, you know, maybe several dozen or so of these punks running away at the river and this Salvadoran couple, a male and a female, the female jumps on his back. And, you know, so he turns around and throws her off. While he turns around, the male tackles him and slams his head into rocks. You know, it's pretty tough terrain there. Faces all bloodied. Now, this guy happens to have 20 years of military experience, jujitsu training, and he overpowered the guy. But you know what he told me? I mean, everyone, every American should know this, and this should be said at hearings, which they won't conduct. Do you know, he said that if you are not trained in, you know, if you don't know how to fight hand-to-hand, you're out of luck. Because most of the time you can't shoot them. Often you don't have time. Like I asked him why he didn't use the taser. He said he just didn't have time. I mean, there's so many of them. There's high brush at the river. I mean, it is the perfect ambush spot for one guy. And you're left to do hand-to-hand combat. This is the stuff that is not being put out on our broken, pathetic Teletubby so-called conservative media. And certainly all these conservative folks like David French and National Review of, oh, how it's xenophobic and oh, immigrants are better than Americans. This is a new thing. Immigrants had to work to get become Americans. You were just born that way. What a, what a, what a pathetic statement. It, first, it's just a non-sequitur. Like, well, yeah, every country is like that. You're entitled to have natural-born people. And in order to come here, you got to work for it. And immigration is an elect- elected process, so we should only bring in the people we want. But moreover, immigrants only want to come to this country because it becomes a wonderful place because of those natural-born citizens. But finally, I just want to share, and I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but I want to um, share with you A quote here from this woman named Ilana Mercer, I don't know who she is, on Twitter, responded to David French. And I thought this was very important. She said, My husband and I were also the only English-speaking new citizens being sworn in as citizens on that day. There was little unity in the room, as nobody could turn to the other and speak in a common language. Oh, and did I mention the test for English proficiency was a farce. She was just talking about how she was offended by David French's column. And, um, you know, she has an illegal immigrant husband. So, you know, she has every reason to extol the virtues of immigration And she said out of 100 questions, you got to get eight or six kind of correct. Most immigrants pitch up with translators or attorneys. My husband and I were the first to that date to score perfectly. 
So there we are. There we are. By the way, as I'm on the air here, Politico put out an article. They tweeted out, Polling suggests that Trump talking about immigration raids is beneficial for the president, whether those raids actually take place or not. It's like they discover America. Yeah, by a margin of 51 to 35. And again, the only reason why the yes number is low is because unlike the questions that were supermajority, where it was all about should we have a sovereign country, should we turn them back, this was very much about Trump. So once you mention Trump, obviously it's very loaded and all, you know, half the country is going to have a problem with that. And, and still it pulled well. The other problem with that is whether he does it or not. That's part of the problem that you know people don't realize it doesn't happen and they keep giving him rope. So then we get to the point of what do we do about this? What do we do about it? Okay. So in the current, coming days, I have to find time to do this, but I'm going to come out with a blueprint for the president to draw a line in the sand on the September budget battle by using his constitutional powers to call Congress, or, or at least threaten, if they don't do it on their own, to call Congress back into session in the August recess. That's the way you harness the news cycle, cancel the August recess, which the president actually could do. It might sound like a violation of separation of powers, but it's in the Constitution. The president can't force them to pass a particular legislation if they don't want to, but he actually can call them back into session if he believes there's an emergency. And this certainly is one. But it all gets back to the courts. So the president has this new policy. He said, look, if, if you could have applied before, you're, you're not an asylee. You're turned back. Now, I don't know if they're going to turn them back or not. It's still, again, I don't have that clear yet. But like clockwork, they, the ACLU and a couple other groups one in D.C., D.C. Circuit, one in the Northern District of California, sued the policy. Okay, it was ACLU, it was a couple of groups, one of them being the East Bay Sanctuary Covenant. And what I would push out to the administration is this. This is yet another opportunity for you to get ahead of the curve and draw a line in the sand. It's very important that you don't legitimize something and then you lose the case and then it's tougher to deal with it. You call your shot ahead of time. You say, wait a minute. Folks, American people, do you see what just happened? And everyone understands this. This is not even a border district. And they're going there because there's an 11 to 1 Democrat majority. This is the court that says, ironically, you want to forum shop... Imagine if Trump would give a speech with that quote, that the right to deny entry is not just legislative power alone. The president has inherent power over foreign affairs. Imagine if the president would say that in a speech. And then the president should take it the next step. How the hell do these people get standing? The president needs to say, courts can't veto things. You have to have a valid case. Could a judge just issue, I don't like what you're doing? No, well, you have to have a case. How could a people prospectively in the future who might come here and might be denied, get standing. You don't have standing to enter the country. Well, so then they get third-party groups to do it for them. But third-party groups, whenever you hear the ACLU is suing, usually what that means is there's a real plaintiff, they're just representing them. Here, they're making themselves the plaintiffs. I mean, they're not saying, we're just happening to write up the legal briefs 
on behalf of John Doe because John Doe is aggrieved in such and such way. They're saying they are aggrieved. There is no standing here. So I'm reading from the brief here. I'm trying to get this here. And um, where is this? Page 25 in the Northern District of California. The ACLU and the East Bay Sanctuary Covenant, Al Otro Lado, Innovation Law Lab, Central American Research Center in LA, all these NGOs, these agitation groups that probably if you looked into their actions, they're probably in violation of inducing and encouraging um, you know, 1324s. Listen to this. Listen to this. Imagine if I... If I um, start a group, <clears throat> and the group is designed to help tax cheats, okay? And the government announced it's going to enforce our laws better and actually, you know, start deterring and dissuading tax cheats. And I'm able to get standing in court, and I say, wait a minute. If you do this, there's going to be fewer tax cheats, and I'm going to have less revenue from my business, so I'm an aggrieved party. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine that? The new rule will significantly harm EBSC, that's the East Bay, whatever, covenant, sanctuary covenant, as an organization seriously frustrates our mission and causes it to divert organizational resources. As if the country exists for them. The president needs to read this to the American people. They'll understand it. We will, no, we will no longer be able to train law students to handle affirmative asylum cases. Could you imagine that? They have an entitlement for government to supply them a stream of policies that justify their existence? It will face a marked decrease in its budget and will have to significantly cut its program and staff or dramatically overall its program. Could you imagine this? Plaintiff Al Otrolado routinely provides representation or other assistance to asylum seekers. Approximately two-thirds of its individuals it serves out of its T1 office transited through another country. If the new rule frustrates its missions, force it to divert significant resources away from its other programs. I know what to tell you, folks. You can't make this stuff up. The president needs to say, you judges, you have no right. You're not even on the border. Zero percent of the people are coming in your district. You have no right to get involved, your own case law says I have inherent authority. There is no standing. We need to draw a line in the sand. So many people I talk to, Democrats, they're like, what's this business with any judge being able to do it? I mean, this is another example of how just common sense thought of your average person diverges from even conservatives who are political elites that just don't get, oh, the courts, oh, no. 
I mean, let's say a judge would just, without anything, without any trial, just say, I'm enjoying what Trump is doing. I mean, would, would the administration legitimize that too? Because that they're, that's essentially what they're doing. To create a straw man plaintiff, and it's not even a straw man plaintiff. It's not any individual. It's the group. You understand what I'm telling you. Let me make this clear. It, the illegal themselves, you'd say it certainly affects them. Now, there's another story that their foreign nationals on the cusp of entry or never entered, trying to enter, might enter. They don't have standing. But here, it's not even that they're bringing it on their behalf. They're bringing it on behalf of themselves. It's not a third party on behalf of the party. It's the third party groups making themselves the party to the lawsuit. It would be like Blaze Media saying, you know, you know, uh, anything that a Democrat president does, uh, we, we could ha- get standing to sue because it, it forces us to divert significant resources to educate our constituents, our readers that, that you know, rely on our political analysis and commentary and reporting to – we're going to have to really focus on this. You know, we have our baseline issues we want to focus on, and now you're just coming in with this. And I mean, there's no difference. It boggles the human mind. That's all the president needs to say. Do it one time. And what I'm telling you is to do it prospectively. He has that amazing quote from the Northern District that just. Cuts it off at the head. Don't get involved in what the asylum law says, this and that. And that. There's something that supersedes and overrides, 1182F, but even beyond that is Article 2 of the Constitution. You could debate once they're here, but before they enter the country, that's foreign affairs. 1950 Supreme Court said that, and that was quoted in this Northern District of California case in 1996. And yet nobody asserts this. Nobody, nobody, nobody asserts it. I don't know what to tell you, friends. We are just screwed. But it doesn't have to be this way. The president could give a speech. Again, bully pulpit, executive action, vetoing of budget bills, and getting involved in primaries. Those are his leverage points. He needs to do them all simultaneously, and they all feed off each other. He needs to use the bully pulpit to call his shots, call his shots on the courts, call his shots on his executive power, start implementing them, and then demand with the threat that he will actually actually trigger the constitutional power he has to call them in session, cancel the August recess, and make a list of demands. I want August to be the American Sovereign Month. I want August. We have an LGBTQFU month. We have an every month for everything. For every sexual licentious uh, behavior in the alphabet soup gets a month, right? So the sovereign American citizen will get the month of August, Congressional Appreciation Month, and you will have one day where you're going to spend on ICE agents and what we can do for them. One age day on border agents. And what we can do for them. One day on identity theft of illegal aliens to American people. One day on the UAC gang members. And the, one day on the drugs. One day on the DUIs. Go through one thing after another. You want to see how quickly this country's body politic will change. That's how you do it. But 
we just can't have nice things. It's not it's not that I'm going to stop trying. You know, I'm, I'm going to do my best to try to get this to the right people, put it out publicly, give it over privately. That's why we're here, you know, despite, you know, losing a million times. What does it say in Proverbs? You know, a righteous person falls seven times and gets up. <laughs> I mean, every shot we've called, you know, has been denied. But, you know, maybe maybe it's a cumulative thing and you add enough pressure and it gets bad enough. It just takes one consequential act to really bend the trajectory on this. That's all I ask. Take one of my ideas. So um, that's where we are here today. That's where we are with the courts. Those are the very important things to know about this lawsuit. They're not even on the border. They have no jurisdiction over foreign affairs. And a third party can't get standing because if they can, then there's quite literally nobody who can't get standing. Nobody who can't get standing. Man, there's there's a lot more going on. Tomorrow I'm going to have the ICE agent in charge. We had him on the show, uh, Wilcox, Mr. Wilcox from Seattle. He's uh, – responsible for Washington State, the office where, you know, that that's the area where we had the Tacoma attack. Let me know what questions you want me to ask him, what you want addressed. Hopefully it should be available tomorrow. Finally, and again, there's other stuff in the courts I left out. We don't have enough time here, but I just want to briefly address a point here that I think needs to be made. There was this Nationalism Conservative Conference held in Washington. And I'm glad that people are getting together. You know, I've called for this to finally say, hey, like, what's our path forward? And I've noticed that the thumb-sucking conservative intelligentsia, the David Frenches, the National Review people are like up in arms about, oh, look at whoa, look at what has happened to fiscal conservatism. We have become uh, economic nationalists and everything. Now, let me just say, as, as a, just from the beginning, depending on who we're talking about, I don't necessarily agree with them. Like, I don't agree with Tucker on everything. But let me just say the hypocrisy of what's going on here. They're making it seem like Trump killed fiscal conservatism. Folks, Paul Ryan killed fiscal conservatism. These are the people who love Paul Ryan to death. I have personally, you know, I'm called a nationalist, even though I'm a traditional conservative, by these people. The reality is I have fought every single fiscal budget battle, and you guys are my witness, since Republicans took over at least one branch in 2011 and they had the opportunity to do so. Every budget battle, I've written articles, here's the opportunity, here's spending levels, here's what you do, here's how you message it. None of these people were with me. And in fact, like, remember the Wall Street Journal op-ed pages? They called us the hobbits forcing a government shutdown. These were on fiscal issues. So don't give me this garbage, this hide the ball. No, we're fiscal conservatives. We're not, uh, you know, immigration conservatives. No, you're a liberal on every issue. 
You're a liberal on social issues, you're a liberal on fiscal issues, and you're a liberal on national sovereignty and national defense issues. So don't give me this business. Oh, like there's one thing if we had legitimate Jack Kemp conservatives that were weak on immigration, but they fought for fiscal. No, we don't have that. Now, Trump is not helping the case. He's not fighting McConnell and McCarthy. But at least he has Russ Vote as his budget director who's willing to do it. But yeah, if they convince him, they'll be fine with it. Who is talking about, like me, the opportunities with this budget bill, the debt ceiling, the budget caps, $124 billion in spending? Who talked about the Puerto Rico bailout, the supplemental bill? The only time they care about fiscal conservatism is to put down national sovereignty conservatism. So look, there's a lot to talk about in the future of conservatism. But I think on net, most of these people have contributed to the discussion properly um, by you know noticing that what we've been doing until now is not working. I love it. They're like, oh, fiscal conservatives. Name me a single fiscal conservative issue that you have fought on in a meaningful way. Then come back to me. I could put my fiscal conservative credentials against anyone. Healthcare, agriculture, ethanol, cafe standards, the stuff I've worked on in my career. Don't give me this whole nationalism business. Heck, I've opposed infrastructure and transportation spending and explained why devolving it to states instead of doing it at a federal level will net better results. How come is it I have no one to turn to when discussing healthcare? None of these... uh intellectual luminaries that we have on our side. They're all a bunch of Teletubby frauds. So there's a lot more on that. There's more in Iran. Iran, there's news that there might possibly be negotiations with Iran and the U.S., which means Iran is getting everything they wanted by doing these unanswered attacks against us because they want to bring us to the table and get the sanctions removed. We're going to try to have Colonel Dan back on the show. Um, and again, we need to start beating the drum that both operationally and messaging-wise, the president needs to use every day the bully pulpit to talk about our issues, to talk about the deleterious effects of illegals on Americans, to talk about how the courts have no jurisdiction, to call Congress back in session and get rid of the August recess, and every day, including weekends, have them work on these issues. And then in September, have one big budget fight after prepping the ground with a month worth of solid messaging, simply galvanizing, affirming, and shoring up the silent supermajority of this country that already intuitively agrees with us on these issues. So again, tomorrow we're going to have Wilcox of ICE on. Send me your, your questions, comments, concerns, dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Um, some of you have sent me such meaningful and thought, thoughtful emails. I apologize if I haven't been able to respond to each and every one of them, but I, I, I see most of them. Uh, I, I usually do get a chance to read my email unless it just kind of slips through in, in a busy time and, you know, I see it on my phone for a second, but otherwise I try to see it. Um, 
Many of you have helped me immensely in more ways than you know. This is a group effort. It's not about me. It's not about any one person. It never will be. We're never going to change here. We're going we're gonna to go to video in some form soon. But we are never, ever going to back down. Thanks so much, guys. God bless. 